0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المبعوث رحمة للعالمين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد وابتغي فيما آتاك الله الدار الآخرة ولا تنس نصيبك من الدنيا وأحسن كما أحسن الله إليك ولا تبغ الفساد في الأرض إن الله لا يحب المفسدين. قال تعالى: يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تأكلوا أموالكم بينكم بالباطل إلا أن تكون تجارة عن طراظ منكم ولا تقتلوا أنفسكم إن الله كان بكم رحيمًا. وقال تعالى: وأنفقوا في سبيل الله ولا تلقوا بأيديكم إلى التهلكة وأحسنوا إن الله يحب المحسنين. وقال تعالى, وَلَا مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ إِنَّهُ لَا يَيْأَسُ مِنْ رَوْحِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْكَافِرُونَ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ The topic we have today is a very very vast topic and in some sense it's actually quite a new topic. In fact, one of the first things that I want to mention is that um, a lot of people who have not been used to the concept of mental health they've, while they may have not been used to the concept of mental health and maybe characterizing, diagnosing uh, their personal feels or uh, feelings of uh, uh, various different mental health issues as mental health, the, the word when you bring that up as uh, this person has mental health issues, it sounds extremely negative, now I know that's the proper term and that's what health practitioners, therapists, that's what the industry, that's what the health um, associations, that's exactly what the word they use, But maybe you can resonate with this. There's a lot of people who, when you tell them that you may have a mental health issue, they get quite worried about the whole, they freak out about the whole mental aspect of it. Because for very long, I mean, mental health issues have come more to the fore. I mean, they've always been around. We've always had mental health issues. Humans have had mental health issues, right? And of course, uh, you know, year by year, as time moves on, a lot more are being diagnosed or a lot more, categorizations are taking place and there's quite a bit of shift in the categorizations some things which are considered to be mental health issues for for many decades for time immor- immemorial now they've actually been taken out of um, being mental health issues they, they're quite normal the people say that that's absolutely normal and uh, there should be no problem with those issues then you've got other issues which are now then being diagnosed as mental health issues. But the concept of mental, that because it's been used as a kind of an insulting term, as an insult, a derogatory term, you know, that the person's, I mean, in colloquial language and so on. I think when you tell somebody that you've got a mental health problem, and we as uh, people who are answering religious questions, just like doctors, right, you know, doctors, they answer, they're trying to respond to and trying to alleviate people's physical ailments, uh, physiological ailments, whereas uh, we are trying to deal with people's juridical issues, spiritual issues, <clears throat> and uh, that, that's what we have a lot in common. Scholars have a lot in common uh, with, with doctors one word of a scholar you know can really calm somebody down just like the doctor let's just say you've got a pain somewhere you've got this strange feeling and you go to the doctor um, you, you know you could be thinking oh it could be cancer it could be this it could be that but the doctor he makes a few checks he does a bit of diagnosis then he says no no it can't be cancer that relieves so much stress of you it's amazing how much stress it can relieve of you likewise with the scholars they say a few good words it can make such a massive difference so when we get a lot of questions um we we can now tell i mean a lot of scholars can now tell that these questions are actually going to be recurring questions because they're based on OCD right they're they're based on OCD and that's why it's very difficult for uh, you know, to just keep giving responses about it because the person will never end, never stop uh, uh, asking questions because it's the same question, it's, it's the same problem. It's a mental health problem. Now, telling somebody they've got a mental health problem doesn't always sit well because people are not willing to accept it. In fact, to be honest, most people—I I, I don't even want to say most people, but many, many people—they're probably more accepting if you would say to them that this is probably needs. Some kind of um, jinn buster intervention, right? You need some kind of ruqya, you need some kind of serious amil and serious, uh, you know, uh, practitioner of this kind of, um, you know, this kind of therapy uh, to try to help you. They're probably more willing to accept that at the back of their mind than it being a mental health issue. It's almost like as if mental mental health issue has a stigma attached to it. Now, nobody wants to have a mental health issue, right? Now, that's understandable. I mean, nobody wants to have a mental health issue. I mean, you don't want to be seen as suffering from that. But likewise, nobody wants to be seen as suffering from um, issues of spell and magic and uh, the, the, the evil eye and all of these kind of things as well. So it, it takes quite a while or it, it, it's quite a bit of work to try to sift between these things. But I think we're going to have to come, the community is going to have to come to terms with mental health issues. And sometimes, you know, um, it's just easier to tell people that that's my problem. I've got an issue so that people know. And I think when more people are able to say this, I think the stigma of it uh, will be detached and uh, that will go away. So that it'll just be easier for people with mental health issues to function. Right, and people to give them the excuse, to give them the leeway, to give them the room, right? Um, so, so all of these things are very important things to, to think about. Now, I want to try to give a few ideas today about how Islam views uh, things, these things and aspects of this uh, related to uh, mental health, related to concerns, uh, worries, anxieties, depression... Um, And then it goes beyond that schizophrenia. I mean, there's so many different mental health uh, problems that we can't, you know, we we just can't bring them all up today. But the Islamic system, I mean, at the base, I'm just going to give you some universals here. The Islamic system is a system that aims to create a balance, right? To create a balance in a Muslim's life, psychologically, by giving them... By putting all of life's matters in perspective Right, that's very important what Islam tries to do What Islam wants from us to understand is that there are going to be challenges in this world There are going to be moments of anxiety There are going to be difficulties And there are going to be things that will not happen the way you want them to happen And the biggest example of this is that even prophets The Prophet made a very very profound statement He said Al-Ambiya al Nasi Bala'an that the Prophets are sometimes the most intensely tested individuals. They have they go through some of the most severe tests. Testing in the spiritual world is always according to the ability of the person. If the person is a religious person, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you a test. A psychological test if that if you have to undergo it and he'll give you the ability if you ask him to tolerate to deal with it and to overcome it to surmount it that's the beauty of this system so Islam once Islam is trying to create a balance in a person's life by putting all of life's matters in perspective rearranging priorities you see life is all about priorities there's various different forces you're gonna have in life you know, on the one hand, there's a demand to do this, there's a demand to do that, there's a demand to do this. Which one should I do first? I can't do all of them at once. Which one should I do first? Which one should I? Sometimes it's, you're going to have to sacrifice one over the other. I can only do this. If I do this, I'm going to miss out on this. If I lose this, I'm going to gain this. Those kind of decisions, they're quite organic, normal decisions that happen. You know, They're existential issues. They happen in life. That's exactly what it is. The quicker that we can come to terms with these, the easier it is to understand. So broadly speaking, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala provides a lot of general guidances, which we're going to go into to see if, if that inshaAllah can help us. If we focus on them slowly, slowly, I mean, it may not change over a day, but slowly, slowly, if you focus on this, if you read the Quran with meaning, you'll actually start seeing how a lot of mental health issues, a lot of confusions, um, uh, a lot of confusions about the world and the way the world works and incidents in our life can actually become very very clear for those people who actually read the quran because there's so much in the quran to reflect upon other people's anxieties other people's challenges punishments uh, joys successes victories all of these things can actually help us as well to uh, you know it res- it can resonate with us and it can give us a better understanding and guide us that's essentially the purpose of the quran so Islam what it wants to do is that it wants to rearrange our priorities accordingly to that balance system and harmonize the circle of relationship between the individual and his inner self and his outer environments so we as human beings there are two forces that we deal with on a day to day basis we have our free will and there's no doubt about free will that you know we have personal choice, volition we can choose what to do and what not to do but there are two really, really profound factors, right, which will govern, affect, and sometimes constrain how we do things or what we choose to do. One, are inner feelings, and the other one is our external factors. So, for example, you want to go somewhere, you're all ready to go, but the transport uh, broke down, your own car broke down. Or you were supposed to go with somebody, they did not turn up. Or there was a problem outside and you couldn't go, those are external circumstances. Or the meeting got cancelled, for example. Internal circumstances, you became extremely sick, you became extremely ill, uh, you woke up with a fever, um, you just had a big stitch, you had a big cramp, and you just couldn't go. There could be so many things, and these are such things that we need to learn to deal with. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al Qasas. وَلَا تَنْسَى نَصِيبَكَ مِنَ الدُّنْيَا وَأَحْسِن كَمَا أَحْسَنَ اللَّهُ إِلَيْكَ وَلَا الْفَسَادَ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ المفسدين. Seek the life to come by means of what Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has granted you. What Allah has granted you, you need to be using that to seek the afterlife because that's a big life. That does not mean that you abandon this life. It's just that if you have the focus on the hereafter, you will also make this life work. In accordance to that it will just adjust it do not be neglectful of your rightful share in this world Allah is saying that himself that while you focus on the hereafter don't forget your share of this world i don't know if you've ever heard that properly because our focus is you know in in preaching in in exhortations in bayans in lectures it's always about the hereafter but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also saying don't neglect don't forget about your heart in this world that you have to play as well do good then Allah obviously says do good unto others as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done upon you and do not seek to spread corruption in the land for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like people who do that people uh, feel depressed or sad when this balance that Islam seeks to provide and create in a human being right when that equilibrium is disturbed that's when people feel depressed When you don't have balance in your life, you feel anxious and you feel depressed. Now, Islam steps in at this point, it's supposed to if your Islam is living and working for you because you have adopted it and you're using it and you seek answers in it, right? Then it steps in at this place and says, well, firstly, don't condemn this feeling Right. So, number one, we're not going to condemn this feeling because it's something that could happen to all of us. But to provide solutions for regaining that psychological and mental balance. Attaining, maintaining rather, a mental and psychological balance is very, very important. The way to do that is in a number of ways. Firstly, I think everybody should just, you know, if you realize that challenges, difficulties, pains, problems... Calamities are old as man himself as old as humans So they're gonna happen. We don't want them to happen to us, but we need to be ready if they do happen so if they do happen then that in itself should not Just bowl us over It's something that we need to start thinking about that if that does happen How are we gonna deal with it the next time that it happens? We need to have a philosophy. We need to have an approach to these things so now let's just quickly throw in this concept of depression that a lot of people are struggling with today. Right? What exactly is depression now? Should a Muslim have depression? This is a big question that's asked. That Muslims should not have depression. You know, you hear people saying Muslims should never be depressed. They got so much going for them. They've got such a worldview. Why are Muslims still depressed? If they've got such a view, if Islam provides an equilibrium, if Islam provides a balance, it gives you answers to many different things. We had such a prophet and so on. Why do then? are there muslims who are depressed so now we have to understand there's actually two types of depressions broadly speaking right you can categorize depression in two ways number one is situational depression now situational depression is essentially a temporary form of deep distress or sadness a temporary form of anxiety because of something that happened and you feel very depressed about it right it's the moment right there's something that happened You shortcoming, you lost something, something went wrong, you didn't attain something. So that's situational depression. You're not always like that. That's that is uh, one type of depression, right? A Muslim should not have problem with this one. The second type is a clinical depression. Now, clinical depression is a mental health disorder, right? A clinical depression is a mental health disorder that just kind of takes over your whole being. It remains for much longer. It takes over your work, your study, your sleep, the way you eat and your enjoyment of any kind of pleasurable activities, any kind of joys, any kind of pastimes, it affects everything. It's like it's just this cloud that comes over you and it stays for a very, very long time. Now, where do these things come from? The first one is quite simple to understand that it's just a moment. I mean, everybody goes through something like that when something, it doesn't go according to your liking. Now, the first one, which is the situational depression, the temporary one, it's just like a passing mood. It could be a mood swing. It could be hormones. It could be so many different things. It's not necessarily a sign of personal weakness at all. That one should go away. However, the second one, which is a clinical depression, that's when you call it a depressive disorder, right? It's more than a passing mood. So when it's something more than a passing mood, then that is considered a depressive disorder now that is not just like a temporary weakness that you're going through or it's just that you can snap out of it so easily sometimes it's not something that can be just easily willed away or wished away right? because what's happening in that is that the the brain right the chemicals the neurochemistry has been there's a change in that so you need some some more deeper intervention. Of course with, the, with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's assistance everything can change but it's good to get uh, such a person uh, generally needs to get some kind of therapy because it's a much more deeper issue. It can trigger certain moods and you need to get professional help and treatment in that case. Now how does this come about? There could be various different causes of this Sometimes if a person doesn't deal with the situational depressions properly and they allow them to build up because they just don't know how to react Sometimes eventually they could be overcome this way OCD from what I've seen also develops in this way It starts off with something small and just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger until a person uh, is overwhelmed overwhelmed. The Prophet said about this that nobody's going to try to place a burden on the deen until it will actually bowl them over and overwhelm them right so sometimes this whole ocd issue gives rise to questions of your akida. i mean i've dealt with all of these right questions of your aqidah. is this shirk is this kufr am i when i bow down i feel like i'm bowing down to the the devil instead so i can't even pray anymore i mean any time when your OCD leads to an issue where you're going to have problems with your worship, your obedience, you have to understand that's from the shaitan now. That's from the shaitan, or it's just an override of your system. That cannot be from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala at all, because Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is not going to, you know, actively stop you from doing from doing good deeds. Generally speaking, you know, some cases that's a possibility when Allah places a seal on the heart because of some bad deeds that a person has done. So one has to really, really understand that. Then sometimes it's about talaq issues. Have I divorced my wife? It gives expression in that. Uh, on other occasions, it's about am I pure or not? Have I, uh, am I pure? Is my wudu or ghusl completed or not? So generally I have to tell people that for you to spend any more than three to four minutes in wudu is haram because you're wasting, uh, you're wasting water. For you to spend any more than, if I give them seven to 10 minutes, of ghusl, of, uh, of of bathing, then that is haram for you. Sometimes that helps them. What scholars have had to do with such cases, because it's a reverse kind of psychology, they've had to get some OCD uh, patients to actually pray their Salat outside the toilet door, right? Just just to kind of get them used to the idea that it everything that you consider impure is not necessarily impure. So there's a lot of this kind of stuff that um a lot of the time what i would suggest is that if you've got these issues all right you should see a th- therapist and not a scholar because this becomes an ocd issue which is a mental health problem and most ulama i think are uh, you know judging from myself are not trained to do this you know, on a professional level, they're not trained to deal with it. They can give you a response. They can keep giving you a response. To be honest, what I've seen with OCD patients is that they ask you the same question over and over again. So what I've had to do on many occasions is that I've told them um, or sent them something written. That, look, no, you are not kafir. You are excused individual. I must ignore these thoughts. And I said that every time you come across these thoughts, you just read that. You're going to have the same, same answer. There's no point emailing, emailing me. There's one individual who has emailed approximately 50 to 60 different scholars and institutions in the world, right, to try to get an answer for his problem, and he's looking in the wrong place. And he complains when he can't get an answer. When, when some of these institutions, some of these scholars, when they, when they respond to him, you know, in an angry way sometimes or whatever, he gets really upset try to tell him your problem is not a religious one. Your problem is just manifesting as a religious one. It's actually a mental health problem, but people don't listen. So then he's he will send others like myself uh, some really bad things about what others have done, you know, what other scholars have done. But we all understand what's going on is that this person is severely, but it's very severely dealing with OCD problems. It's a mental health problem and he's coming to the wrong place. I'm not joking. how do I know he's been to about 50, 60 scholars? is because what he will do is that he will sometimes email all of us at once, and you can see every single uh, email uh, that he sent questions to every Darlifter in the world that you know you can find, uh, every other public scholar down there, you know, all the famous scholars, uh, he's somehow found their emails or whatever, and uh, he he's just emails all of them to him. You can tell. he just puts it all in the .CC right and this person all they need is they need to go to a therapist the confusion here is that because it's manifesting as a religious issue talaq purity filth have i spread filth right have i spread filth in places uh, Or 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 is another one what happens is that they think it's a religious issue so i say look i'm going to give you an answer remember this is the answer this is going to be the same answer right but you need to get mental health therapy. That's what you need to be able to solve yourself. Some people have been cured otherwise, right? Because they've changed scene or they've gotten involved in another activity. A lot of the time, what would help certain people is that um, they get involved with something else to be able to manage manage their situation. This is uh, with a lot of anxiety issues. If you can help uh, in that sense, so then there is the over overlap that some people they then start going to amils they go to practitioners rukia practitioners and so on now rukia from the quran and sunnah cannot be harmful for well, i mean it's it's always beneficial for people to read the fatiha for people to read ayyul nas especially the last three surahs the duas that we have ayatul kursi um, suratul baqarah 10 verses a day until you complete it or more um, all of these things cannot be harmful, they're beneficial. Alhamdulillah, you know, to read Fatiha, blowing some water, drink the water, all of this can be beneficial. But sometimes the issue is a psychological issue. That's what's important to understand. We have to come to terms that mental health is a genuine problem. Just like there's a wound, there's a pimple, there's a wart, there's a pain, there's an ulcer, you know, there, there, there there's, uh, uh, what do you call it, heartburns, just the way you have all of those things in growing toenails, I mean, uh, toothaches, there is mental health problems, right? Psychological problems. They exist. They 're not always to do with magic. The one example I can provide very quickly is that um, I was once consulted uh, by the, 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 the police force about a particular incident where a Muslim woman, hijabi, practicing Muslim woman, had killed her children right literally taken a knife and killed her two children right while her husband was at work and carved out some of the organs and it was quite crazy i mean it was quite gruesome quite crazy and after the investigation they noticed that on the walls on her computer uh, printouts of lots of rukia it was lots and lots of research that she had done on rukia on magic on on the evil eye and all of this kind of stuff right and so they wanted more understanding. They told me about the case and I explained what the situation was. So she was obviously taken in and uh, her husband is absolutely shocked. He knew that he was, she was obviously had a disorder of some sort and was struggling with stuff, but he never knew it would go to, this, go to this level. They put her into a hospital and after about two months, she was fine after they gave her the medicines and everything like that. Now, what, what my understanding is that um, f- judging from her practice, she was doing rukya for a very long time, meaning for a few months, it looks like she'd been, or a few weeks at least, she'd be doing rukya and that, but it wasn't help- helping her because she was. Uh, rukya is going to be helpful to a certain degree, but if you've got a mental health problem, the rukya is not necessarily for that unless you do, you know, unless you've got a very special way of doing it in that way, right? Because this had nothing to do with jinn. It had nothing to do with evil eye. It was a. It was a chemical imbalance and this is what the problem is they didn't, she, she was not willing to go and do that. A lot of people have asked when they have these issues they're not willing to go and find out. right? They've had so many issues but they're just not willing to go to a therapist. To be honest, sometimes if it's not related to certain things um, it, it's, it's just best to go to a therapist even if it's a non-Muslim therapist especially with ocd issues because the the underlying problem is probably the, is probably the same anyway right so the causes for depression i mean could be many many it could sometimes run in the family and those people have to be much more careful they need to and there's lots of therapies out there there's lots of ways of actually preventing that from happening right if you know that your parents, grandparents, or some other uncle, uncles and have this issue. There's ways that you can actually, because it's maybe just some kind of chemical uh, shortcoming, right? So there, there, there's something that you can do to preempt these things, right? Um, because the causes of all of this can be genetic, psychological. There could be some environmental factors involved as well, right? The relationship between the chemistry of your brain and your experience in life. Is always a two-way street you have to remember that right there's certain experiences that we will internal internalize for example I've got a I've got a friend he's our mashallah he's been worshipping with us in the masjid for such a long time but he's had a tough childhood right he's had a very tough childhood no love at all I, I think from what I discovered later neither from the mother neither from the father they'd split up anyway but neither from that and sometimes he re- he act, you know, he reacts very angrily for no reason, you'd think for no reason now if you don't know about his problems, we will probably respond to him and retort to him in an angry way, but his brother just told me recently, that all he needs is a hug, that's all he needs, that when he gets angry, all he needs is a hug, he just needs love so um, he's told me about some of this stuff himself, that um, because he was uh, you can say Punished for keeping his nails long or whatever, or others in his class, or others that he knew would be punished by the teacher for keeping long nails, for example. Now he has this habit of constantly cutting the nails to like really to the skin. Um, once I think he had a problem crossing over the street and he had a bit of an accident, so now he's extremely careful, like he wouldn't cross even, you know, he'd, he'd insist to go you know to the zebra crossing or whatever the case is so sometimes it's events if they've not been dealt with right if not if they've not been dealt with correctly they can actually scar you for life sometimes so if you do have those things you need to get help because there is help to be able to unravel these kind of things there's a a lot of therapy out there there's a lot of therapy that you could even try yourself online. There's a lot of self-help manuals. It's a good idea to do this because these are psychological issues. This is exactly what we're speaking about. These are psychological issues, right? So it's a two-way street. Our experiences and the chemical makeup of our brain. I mean, I'm not a, a brain expert, so I can't explain to you exactly what it is. And if I'm making some mistake in this, please forgive me. But generally speaking, both of these things have an effect on one another. When it comes to Islam, As I said, to be to become a good Muslim, we generally submit our will to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nobody else. There's some when we when we are Muslim, the word Islam means to submit yourself. So what does it mean by submit yourself? Submitting yourself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, means that you must also trust Him, that He is in charge of events and he'll take good care of me even though I'm having a slip up right now even though I'm having a shortcoming I'm having a challenge something has gone wrong you know I've been deprived of a certain thing that I was really seeking out you know there was somebody I wanted to marry but she got married with somebody else or he got married with somebody else you know however that is the part of Islam part of being a Muslim is that you have to have trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to realise that He knows everything. See, without understanding the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can't you don't really know Allah. The, the more I think about this, the reason people are so far from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though they say they're believers, is because they've not taken the time out to understand who Allah is. I don't think there's enough books out there or enough lectures out there about the names of Allah as well the names of Allah are so important that they actually have to become part of our life because that's who Allah is if you don't know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the wise one that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't oppress even in the least like he can't even make a mistake he can't even mistakenly oppose someone Like, okay, he's got, you know, sometimes they say that, oh, the person has some very good intentions, but he made a mistake, right? It was a genuine mistake. Allah does not make mistakes. He knows what's going on now and He knows what's going to happen a hundred years afterwards. Like, forget two years afterwards or forget just after the event or just, you know, next year or whatever. He knows what your great, 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 great grandfather, grandchild will be doing. Right now, he knows what the last person will be doing. Allah does not make mistakes, everything is planned, and he knew everything from beforehand. Now, if you don't know that, that is such a powerful knowledge, a bit of knowledge that can affect the way you think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I think one of the most fundamental problems today is that people do not know who Allah is, even though we say we believe in Allah, we pray to Him and everything. But if you don't know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is omniscient, that He knows everything in detail, in, in minute detail right number 2 he's in control of everything number num, uh, of all the factors he's planned everything there's a reason behind everything okay allah subhanahu wa taala loves believers right numerous verses in the quran about allah subhanahu wa taala's loves for the believer allah subhanahu wa taala loving the believers allah taking care of them wallahu mu'minin Allahu amanu numerous numerous verses that he takes care of you if you don't know that, you won't call on to him because what shaitan will make you do is to look elsewhere. It's to say, no, God hates you. Right? How do you know God hates you? Yes, if you've been committing a lot of sin, maybe, maybe he's, he's going to punish you. Yes, that's understandable, but that doesn't mean it's not open. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the forgiving one. Numerous verses, numerous, in fact, numerous names. Ghaffar, Ghafir, Ghafir, al Dham, Inna Allah Ghaffar, Inna Allah Right, There are so many words and so many names, so many characteristics he uses to explain. So really take and study the Qur'an because the Qur'an includes the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Names have to become part of our life. We need to call out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his names. right, According to the need of the time. If we're looking for forgiveness, then we call out with ghafoor, ya Rafar. If we're looking for opening that there's a difficulty, there's a constraint, ya fatah. Ya fatah. If there's a subtle issue Ya Latif Ya Latif Ya Latif If there's cure It's an issue of sickness and illness Then we have to remember the verse of the Quran That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, Says that He is the one who gives me Shifa Ibrahim, salam, Ibrahim said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Is the one who gives me, uh, He gives me Shifa He gives me the cure Ya Shafi Shafi Shifa Comes from the same thing there's many du'as to this effect. The Prophet's du'as are just amazing. Ya Farij al Ham wa ya Kashif al Gham. Ya Farij al Ham, remover of concerns, removers of, remover of uh, anguish, remover of sadness. Ya Farij al Ham wa ya Kashif Gham. Remover and opener right, of anxiety. Mujib muttarin The one who answers and responds to the call of those who are in desperate need. If you're in desperate need, call on to Allah with that. Mujib da'watil-muṭṭarīn, dunya wal The compassionate one of the heavens and the earth and the merciful one who treats both of them with mercy. The only one who has that ability. Irḥamnā have mercy upon us. Bi rahmatin. With such a mercy, That will make us independent from anybody besides you. Put yourself out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why I think the, one of the main thing is get to recognize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Undertake a study of the names, the 99 and more names of the Quran, as mentioned in the Quran and other places. We have to understand that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has all the power, has all the treasures, has all the resources. And we as human beings, right? We have limitations. Then we look positively according to the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that go and avidly seek out which is to your benefit. a so, hadith in Sahih Muslim. Go and avidly seek out what is going to benefit you. Ihris ala Wala ta'jiz and don't sit down sit back and be debilitated and be impotent and sit back in weakness you do your best and leave the rest in allah's wisdom if he wants that it's going to turn out in the right way alhamdulillah there are people who were rejected by somebody for marriage and the person has moved on but this individual has not moved on and they're unwilling to move on They see a dream and a lot of the time the dreams are actually because you're still contemplating, you're still brooding over that same idea. So you see a dream. So then they will write in to say that, I've just seen a dream about this person, you know, it's been five months before or whatever, but I've seen this dream. Could this mean anything? Well, one thing it definitely means is that you're still going on about it. You need to move on. It's just the way life is. You can't have everything you want. Paradise is where you'll get everything that you want. This world is not some place where you get everything you want. You just have to move on sometimes and realize that. There's some people who are waiting for a miracle, for things to come back. There's a person who, his wife's gone. He's having suffering in sleep. He's got health issues. He's got psychological issues, everything. I said, okay, what are you waiting for? He said, well, I want her to come back. He said, it's been three years. I mean, you're not going to come back. She's not coming back. People don't realize these things. They're waiting for a miracle to happen. And three years have passed now. Now, miracles do happen, but it, they, they happen very seldomly. And as I say Allah once, Allah is giving you a message already. Move on, move on. A lot of people who move on, they actually make their life much better. See, as a Muslim, Muslims, like everybody else, are going to also confront troubles in their life. Disturbing thoughts come to everybody. Just like everybody else. But the difference should be if you're a believer and your Islam is working for you because you're making it work for you. Islam works, right? Anybody who's tried Islam has worked for them. Question is, that are you letting it, making it work for you? Are you giving it a chance to work by studying, by, by learning, by getting to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So, as I said, everybody's going to be affected by life's troubles and disturbing thoughts. But a Muslim should be able to deal with them much better. Because a Muslim has something which a lot of people don't have, which is a clear roadmap. Islam gives you a roadmap. You see, the reason why Islam gives you a roadmap and why that helps is because if you are in this world with no end in sight, you don't know what's going to happen in the future. You have no philosophy about what's going to happen in the future. This life is it. That is one of the biggest recipes for disaster. And this is the majority of the world are probably like this today. Where they, don't, they have no idea what's, gonna go, what's going on. If they're nominal Christians, they may have a concept of the afterlife. But if they're not Muslims, Christians, Jews or people with a, with, a, with a eschatology about the afterlife, then this life is it. And most people are materialistic today. Where it's all about this life. Now imagine, subhanAllah, what a limited life people have if that's all you think about it. That is so debilitating, like you don't know why you're here, you don't know where you're going, all you know is what you're doing right now and what you've done and what you expect to do and you're trying to make the best out of that, right? So that means there are no principles for you, it's whatever makes sense to you today, that's what you call liberalism today, it's just what makes sense for you today. And there's no one truth, it's whatever the truth is for anybody and everybody. So you can believe something to be true, you can believe something, and I must respect your truth and you must respect me as long as it doesn't harm me, you know, I shouldn't say anything to you. It's endless. That's why then you can, you know, you're allowed to do whatever you want. Nobody should do it, as long as you don't harm anybody else. That's probably the only uh, barrier in that place, the only curb and only, the, the only limits in that place. This is the life, which is the problematic life. Now Where many, many Muslims, while they have a theology about this, they've not made it a reality. Their reality is that this is the only world. But really, a Muslim, if you allow your faith to work for you, then you're given a clear roadmap. And that clear roadmap is where you came from, right? And where you're going and why you came here in the first place. Now those three answers, if you can have those answers, your life will change. Where I've come from, why I'm here and where I'm going to go that is so important and these are very very existential issues that every human being needs to think about because we as human beings we we are in this world right now we all need to have an understanding of where we came from and where we're going to go and that helps a lot the whole concept of you know the hereafter this limited world the purpose of why we're here all of this is extremely important for, for to understand. So, if you know these things, then you've also already got a head start, right? Because you've got this fundamental knowledge from our Creator. Of course, you have to believe in the Creator for that. So if you are a Muslim, you would be believing in that anyway. All you have to do is just get that information. If you have this, inshaAllah, you will be saved from existential emptiness. There won't be an emptiness in your life which you'll have to fill up with doing things of joy every day. Doesn't matter what they are. No curbs, no limits, no barriers, no guidance. Just whatever makes me happy, I should be able to do that. That's essentially what the motto of the world is. Whatever makes you happy, do it. Just do it. Just do it. That's the idea. Because there's an emptiness that people are feeling. And we have to feel sorry for such people. I know we condemn and that's understandable. But the main thing is that we have to feel sorry that this is what the mainstream have just been led to follow. We have to help out. We have to sort ourselves out. We have to try to help other people as well. So the focus should be on taking control over your life to make the most of it according to the purpose that you are here for. Once you've understood the why of why you're here, of our being here, then you need to get everything you do in this life right, to be according to that purpose of why we are here. Every decision you make should not make you feel worse. You should make the best decision. To wrap it up, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that, look, uh, uh, we've been told through our Sharia that good things or bad happen- things will happen. If you have good things, you thank Allah and don't show off and don't exult and don't get overexcited. But if you, bad things happen, then you be patient and realize that, okay, I've done my best. Then the rest is up to Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anybody who feels completely lost and alone in the face of a crisis, right? And that's what happens when you're in a crisis, you feel very alone. They, they, the, the normal reaction is they're going to feel depressed and helpless. But the person who has recognized Allah in a crisis, they're not going to feel so alone. Even if nobody helps them, they're going to feel supported by a compassionate Allah who genuinely cares for them and they felt it in their life. And once you give that opportunity to Allah, Allah, will, it says, Allah says that if you come to me walking, I'll come to you running. The the whole hadith is such that it's just to show that I'm you see we are we're the ones who are occupied in our pursuits of the world and our businesses and our Netflix and everything else and Allah is just waiting there for the time we turn to Him He's ready individually ready for each one of us that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us if we get that understanding then when we're even in a crisis we will feel supported by ar-rahman ar-rahim al wadood right the compassionate god who Jannikas, who mujibud da'wat the one who responds to please right the one who grants assistance to uh, anybody who s- seeks help right? now that kind of a person is still going to be grieved but he's going to get he or she is going to get back on track faster than somebody who doesn't have this to hang on to and to relate to so, Islam doesn't require us to be superhumans that we're never gonna have a difficulty. Difficulties come on everybody. Look how many difficulties came to the Prophet ﷺ. But once you start learning how to deal with difficulties, they become easier. There'll still be some pain maybe, but it will become easier insha'Allah. So, to, uh, to, to finish up, what I, would, what I would suggest is that we try to make a distinction between magic and the evil eye we use Rukia we do a we do a I always suggest a multi-pronged approach a multifaceted approach you do some Rukia it can't be harmful right your own Rukia to be honest you do your own Rukia we've got lectures online about magic and so on and there's some good suggestions in there and there was a woman who just contacted me a few weeks ago she was having some issues you know some of these psychological uh, mental or whatever it was it was I think it was something to do with uh, some really weird experiences or whatever. She did the suggestion of the 83 times which I've mentioned in the other video, in the other lecture. And then she uh, you have to do this between three to five uh, days. And she says, you know, I did it for three to five days and I felt a massive difference. Can I carry on doing it or can I am I not allowed? I said, absolutely, you can you can carry on doing it. It takes about half an hour, 20 minutes to half an hour to do and, and mashallah. So multi-prong approach, try that. But if you don't get cured, go and seek a therapy, seek therapy, mental health, right? It, it's not so bad. It's it's a problem. That's what Allah wants us, uh, you know, that's what Allah has challenged us with. There are a lot of good med- medications as well, you know, and a uh, multi-pronged approach. But above all, the first thing that we need to do is to just get an understanding who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. And you will realize that once you understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your life will become easier. And simply put, just read the Istighfar a hundred times in the morning with hundred times salawat on the Prophet The Istighfar will purify our sins and remove darknesses the salawat durood sharif and the prophet will bring us blessings read some quran within 2 3 weeks you see if you do this morning and evening you will actually start feeling a connection with allah read the quran try to read through his names uh, we have lectures on the names of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well and inshaAllah, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will help uh, in this regard wa da'wana i thought let's take some questions you it's also difficult to deal with this as that person persons might be from the older generation so they're stuck in their ways there is only so much you can take being quiet especially as you have to live with them for the rest of your life so some of these questions that if they relate to family members i mean if it's your father your mother your older brother sisters you know that's a major challenge and the thing is that you If there's a way that you can actually um, distance yourself so um, a lot of the time if you can live separately but still go and assist people then uh, assist your parents that could be very very helpful I was contacted a few weeks ago by a person who's I think over 30 years old and he's complaining about his parents that they are they do this and they do that and everything and uh, I asked him how old he is, and he said, over 30 years old. I said, well, you're bringing the problem. He said, why do you have to stay there? He says, because I'm dependent on them. Right? I said, well, you need to stand on your own feet. Sometimes, you know, okay, that's maybe an exception issue. I, I can completely re- uh, understand that sometimes it's, you know, you're only 15, 16, or maybe you're 20 years old, and you're not married yet, or you're not moving out, or you must stay, or whatever. With your parents, you just have to understand that sometimes things aren't going to change so you have to occupy you can try occupying yourself with others you can try to win them over and change your strategy sometimes changing of strategy because what happens with a lot of parents is that they think that they they just keep criticizing because they think that uh, we haven't changed we've not grown up so sometimes you have to actually bring a whole change of scene you have to really try to act very mature to try to win them over and uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, you're never going to win the situation. And in that case, the only thing you can do is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for assistance, right? So if you feel like crying or whatever the case is, or you feel angry, just go and put that dua to Allah. Subhanahu wa Taala, Rather than bring it up here, if it's not going to have a difference, what's the point? You know, you're going to be disrespectful, you're going to be rude or whatever. You have to try to just minimize. And... You know, this, this requires a lot more intervention. I think it's very difficult to answer this question because there's so many variables in this regard. There's one person who contacted me and he said that the same kind of thing. He was dealing with a lot of criticism. So what he did is that he started to literally just ignore his father, right, his father or his mother, right, ignore her. Which means that even if he's in the room, he doesn't say anything. He tries to stay away generally. Even when he's there, he doesn't speak much or whatever the case is. But now after a few years he's having problems with this as well he needs that interaction so he's saying i don't feel good about this either so that's why if if you're uh, you know if you can move out and have some distance but still retain you know the connection and the communication and the love that would be the best option if you cannot you do your best you find another hobby to involve yourself in you assist to the best of your ability you pay Whatever, you know, you fulfill the responsibility you have towards your parents, you avoid insulting them because that's not going to help them. It doesn't make them change. You have to remember that it generally doesn't make them change and you just get in more trouble and you have to release, you know, you got frustration, right? You still have to just release that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by crying out in your own room to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your duas, in your salat and so on. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy. There are just some cases which are very difficult. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows you can't change your parents. That's something you cannot change. They are who they are. That's, there must be some wisdom or some reason in this. We have to just try to adjust it. And there's a lot of people who've succeeded in that where they've tried to adjust the way they do things to change the scene, to, to do something that convinces their parents that they're not their little child anymore that um, you know, still does the problems that they, you know, that they may have been used to doing or whatever the case is. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy. There are probably a lot of other answers out there that other people can suggest of what they did in this situation. how do we take control of too much thoughts negative future for future outcomes what i'm what I'm going to suggest is that <clears throat> you listen to this other lecture which uh, is a one hour and fifteen minute lecture which is I think a very very important lecture generally people are worried about <clears throat> future outcomes because of past losses past challenges and they 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 don't have any reliance in Allah they don't have any hope in Allah that he's going to make things different so that's why increasing i think increasing your love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the lecture is don't be depressed you don't know your future so i think it's going to be very relevant to this discussion maybe you can put up a link don't be depressed, you don't know your future. Inshallah, that should be able to help you just really get your head around why things happen and how you can actually do your best and you can actually make things different. Um, I'm going to give you some statistics quickly, right? Um, we didn't have time in the lecture, but there's some really, really important statistics that I think will, uh, are very, very helpful that should, inshallah, help in this regard. You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran that inna al-insana khuliqa that the human being has been created with uh, hala. Hala means to fret over something, right? To be distressed, worried, and um, a bit restless in certain situations. So the human has a propensity to become like this, right? Now, you know, whatever you're concerned about, whatever you're worried about, about something happening or not happening in the future. These are the statistics and these will be inshallah helpful, right? What these statistics actually show is that worrying is actually unnecessary in most cases. So, 40% of the things that we worry about, right? Out of 100% of the things that we may be worried about, 40% of them will never ever happen. That's the statistic, right? That 40% just will not happen, okay? So that's 40%, now we have to deal with 60%. 30% of the things that people are worried about with are to do with the past that can't be helped get over it It's done, right? There's no point crying over spilt milk I know it's very easy to say this, but if you put it in perspective 30% of the things that people worry about are about the past 40% of what they worry about will never happen. So that's 70% gone now. We only have to worry about 30% Can you see how it's getting smaller? 12% Involve the affairs of others, 12% of things that we, out of all the things that we are concerned about, 12% of that will generally involve someone else. And it's got even nothing to do with us. So why are you even worried? That is 82%. 82%. Some part of the past, some things are just never going to happen. Other things that we're worried about are about other people. 10%, then, right? 10% after the 82% relate to sickness whether that's real or imagined now if it's a real sickness then okay let's go and get some therapy if it's possibly if you haven't caught the virus or you have but you think you're gonna catch it again have do your best take precautions nothing you can stop anyway so don't worry about it right now deal with it when it happens take your precautions So generally that relates to sickness, 10% relates to sickness, people are always worried about sickness, okay? That's 92%. So 40% is gone, 30% about the past can't be helped, 40% 40 is not going to happen, 12% about other people, 10% about sickness. How much is left now about something else that you can be fretful about? 8%. It's only 8% possibility that something you're worrying about, if it's not on any of those categories, that it's going to happen. Only 8%. That means there's 92% chance that you're worrying about something that will never happen to you. Only 8%. Hopefully that's helpful, inshallah. Allahumma anta as-salam wa min ka salam tabarak tayyada al-jalali wa likiram, Allahumma salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ahli Sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim, ya Allah have mercy upon us, ya Allah we ask you for your generosity, we ask you for your blessing, we ask you for your forgiveness, oh Allah forgive us, oh Allah forgive us, purify us, cleanse us, oh Allah cleanse our minds, cleanse our hearts, oh Allah cleanse our souls, oh Allah purify our souls, oh Allah any issues that we're having with whether that be with ourselves whether that be with people around us whether that be with our parents our family members whether that be at work oh Allah we ask you for removal of this we ask you uh, the ability to deal with these things we ask you that you allow us to deal with it in the way that you want us to deal with it oh Allah grant us the tawfiq to those to do those things which please you and to avoid those things which displease you oh Allah accept this program and allow it to be beneficial, allow its benefits to to proliferate. And O oh Allah, relieve the problems that people have, those who've attended and others. O oh Allah, allow the problems to be alleviated, physiological problems, psychological problems, spiritual problems. O oh Allah, people are dealing with so many different things. O oh Allah, grant us knowledge of you. O oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whose love benefits us in your court. Grant us closeness to you. Oh Allah, do not deprive us of your knowledge, of your awareness, of your attributes, of your beautiful names. Oh Allah, grant us access. Grant us understanding. Grant us closeness. Oh Allah, grant us closeness. Oh Allah, protect us from doing the wrong things, from saying the wrong things, from thinking the wrong things. Oh Allah, accept this program. Oh Allah, accept this program. Oh Allah, accept this program. Subhana rabbika amma Wa salamun al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil